I got I got a whole bunch of time today. In your bulletin, there's a connection card. I invite you right now to take that out and uh, to give us some information or sign your name, do whatever you like. But on the back, there's an opportunity for you to ask questions or if you'd like us to contact you. You know, I have to apologize again. There are some of you who have asked for, for contact, and, and there are times that I call, but sometimes the times I call I, I are during the work day, and so I leave a message and so things like that. I was out of town um, for conference business this, this last week for, for two days, and so I get kind of far behind. So keep checking that thing and if you know stop me grab me here do whatever you like you know and grab me getting my attention uh, i'd love to sit and talk with you if you have something you'd like to talk about okay and then after you're done with this just leave it on your pew especially if you're a first timer first time here second time here we really need for you to uh fill this out and just leave it for us to be able to contact you or or know that you're you're with us as you do that, I just want to bring to your attention, today there's a Young Marriage Fellowship. Naturally, today we always have, the, we have our food and fellowship luncheon uh, after service. All are invited. But today at 2 p.m. If you, on your bulletin, it says there's a Young Marriage Fellowship. And there's a, a change in that. Um, the, the fellowship is going to be at the home of Andrew and Shelmi. Is that correct? Okay. Andrew, raise your hand. Okay, Andrew, tell me, Zusa, right? Okay, so that's a correction for Young Mary's Fellowship. Keep that in mind. Single adult dinner tonight, 5 p.m., single adult, come. You're welcome. Try, try it out. It's a fun time, very casual. Uh, this Saturday, this is May 7th, 9.30 a.m., uh, here at the church in, in our, our social hall, we'll have our ushers and greeters workshop. So all ushers and greeters, I'd like to encourage you to be there. If you would have thought about serving the Lord as an usher or greeter in this church and you'd like to just find out what that involves, you can sh- please show up. It'd be Saturday morning, uh, 9.30 in the, in the social hall. Um, at the very least, you'll get coffee and donuts. very least. Okay. All the rest you can read on your own. Because I have a little bit of time, I'll just mention to you that uh, we've scheduled a men's dinner this month. Oh, where's Norm? What? 21? Okay, Saturday, May 21st, we'll have a men's dinner. Um, and it's, it's really fun. Guys, if, if you're a guy, just show up. Uh, we, we, we eat like we're high schoolers. And um, if, if you, it's an opportunity for, for guys to show off their culinary skills. So uh, just show up, and it's a fun thing. We'll, we'll get into God's Word a little bit, and uh, it's a neat time for men to just co- uh, have contact with one another in the church. Okay, if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, all the way to the first book of the Bible. It's kind of fun when it's the first book of the Bible. I, I, it's, it's really still vivid to me that one of the first times when I was, um, I just moved here from Chicago. I was born in Chicago. My family came out here. My aunt, who was plugged into a church, picked me up and took me to church. Uh, 
I sat in a circle with a bunch of kids uh, my age, and they put a Bible on my lap. I've never seen a Bible before in my life. And this teacher says, okay, turn to such and such text. I just started flipping from page one, looking for that name. And of all things, he calls me. I had no idea where that was. Uh, I just kept flipping as he called my name, and I'm just still flipping, flipping, flipping. Then he, got, then he just turned to someone else. I never went back to church. Get that. So, learn your Bible. Learn your books of your Bible. It's, it's more fun that way. But, you know, don't worry about it. We'll always have it on the screen up here. So, Genesis chapter 4. Let me read the first five verses. Adam lay with his wife Eve. She became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of the time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Let's pray. Father, as we're going all the way back to the first book in in your book, in the Bible, and we're going to this classic story of two brothers uh, with with different attitudes, different different views and perspectives on, on what you have said to them, Father, we pray that you'll teach us your lesson today. May this lesson be fresh in our minds and hearts um, as it was for for generations as they learned this. Uh, Help us to understand what this means for our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'm um, I'm of the boomer generation. I'm a baby boomer. You know, baby boomers, we are the largest, most influential generation in this country as of last week. Last week it was announced, at least for me, I found out last week that the millennial generation is now the largest generation in this country. That's people between the age of 18 and 34. They are now the largest generation, which also means they're probably one of the more influential or the most influential generation of this country. That means your advertising is going to go toward them. They're hoping they're the ones that are go see movies over and over again or buy the newest iPods and the iPhones and everything, and they probably will. And uh, it's, it's, we're just going to have to pass the baton. But, you know, um, <clears throat> it doesn't matter whether, what generation you're really from when it comes to the, our message today. It doesn't matter if you knew who Prince was. I, my kids said, who's this guy Prince, you know? It doesn't matter whether you knew about the Rams were here before they went to St. Louis and you know the name Roman Gabriel. Who's Roman Gabriel? You know, if you don't know these things, it's no big deal. Because no matter what generation you belong to, the whole idea or the importance of obedience goes through all generations. And we understand this. It's a basic, fundamental um, aspect of life to be able to learn how to obey. Even though from an early age, if you don't learn how to obey, you can get hit by a car walking in the street. Uh, just the other week, there's a woman. Her name is, um, what is it, Stacy Conweiser. And she, um, she got killed by a tiger in the Florida Zoo because when they, 
when they followed what she did, she's a trained, she's an animal handler there, uh, experienced, but she, she went outside of the precautions that they have written for the animal ha- trainers. And, uh, and so she, she kind of put those precautions to the wind, and so basically she disobeyed what the zoo agreed upon, and she was attacked and she was killed. So we understand our obedience can have different effects on our lives. And obedience is important in our society, but I have to tell you that obedience is crucial. It is crucial to live the life that God wants us to live. In, in the book of 1 Samuel, Samuel the prophet, in speaking to King Saul, he said these words, to obey <clears throat> is better than sacrifice. What does that mean for us? And basically what it says is that you can give all the money you have, <clears throat> give it all to the Lord. You can devote your time every waking hour to feeding the poor and caring for those in need. But if you are not attempting to live this book, if you're not attempting to live this, then no matter what, your life is not pleasing to God. Today we're going to kind of flip our series around. For the last four weeks, we've been studying people of the Bible who have gone from zero to hero, right? Well, starting today and for the next few weeks, we're going to flip it. We're going to talk about people who went from hero to zero. And who better to start with than Cain? We're going to start in the early, early part of the Bible here, and we're going to look at the life of Cain, the first child of Adam and Eve. So turn back to Genesis chapter 4, <clears throat> and we're going to get into this story classic, well-known story of Cain and his brother Abel. Let's look at these first two verses again in Genesis chapter 4. It said, Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. You know, it's kind of neat when you really think about this. In the very beginning, Here's this woman, in thanksgiving, Eve names her son Cain. And the, the meaning of the word Cain means gotten, or, or something that is acquired. And so this woman is seeing, or receiving her child as from God. She is thanking God and naming her child, understanding that God is the one who has blessed her in this way, with this child. In her heart and mind, God is the giver of all good things, or the giver of her first child. And when we think about this, Cain being the firstborn, this whole importance of the firstborn child, I mean, that has stuck through generations, right? Maybe even in your family, when you think of the firstborn, the firstborn son, the firstborn whatever, there's, there's a certain position that that child has. Maybe you are the firstborn uh, of your family. Um, so that firstborn son, especially in this case, for Cain, you know, is, is starts the family off. And later on, the text tells us that Abel was born. And the, and the name Abel basically means breath or vapor. And so it could refer to, we don't know for sure, but that name could refer to the breath of life 
that, that God breathes into to give uh, mankind uh, this life and, and, and the ability to communicate with him. So here we have these two brothers, older brother Cain. Cain becomes what? A farmer. And, and Abel, what does he do? He's, he raises sheep. You know, two very honorable professions. The farmer grew food to eat. And in that time, the shepherd nurtured sheep for clothing. Not for food, but for clothing. And the thing we have to keep in mind here is that mankind, according to the Bible, was not authorized to eat meat until after the flood. And when I say the flood, I mean the whole story of Noah and the ark and and the flood that just took that just destroyed the world at that time. But then after the flood, man was given authority to begin to eat meat. You know what's kind of interesting about this, and I'm not taking a stand on this, and maybe once some of you get excited hearing this. You know, when we think of, of the lives of the people before the flood, they lived incredibly long lives. And they were vegetarians. You know, it talks about Adam. Just take Adam alone. Adam lived for 900 years, and the Bible says that he was even having kids at 800 years old. That's amazing. You get it, and maybe you don't want to hear that, but yeah, he was. And then Methuselah and Enoch, and all the list goes on and on. And all these people just lived for a while, years and years. Just life just kept on going. And then, boom, the flood happens, and hey, you can start eating meat. It all changed. So am I saying you should be a vegetarian? Nah. Because how can you say you really lived if you've never had a good tri-tip? <laughs> right? Especially Mel. Where's Mel? Man, Mel. That, see, Mel, when you guys come to our men's dinner, Mel, Mel I'm not putting pressure on you to, to barbecue tri-tip, but he does a lot of times. But anyway... When we generalize this, you know, we, the, the, you, you see how the Bible talks about the, these different stages of mankind. Well, here we are in the very early stage. And even though this family, we have Cain and Abel, we have Adam and Eve, we have this family. Even though Adam and Eve were, were, were taken out of the garden, they were actually kicked out of the Garden of Eden, as we read in, in Genesis chapter 2. This family was still a very privileged family. They were privileged people. You had a family that was still having regular contact with God, even though they weren't living in his presence. So we have Cain and Abel, two brothers, two professions, both have this connection with God. Let's go on. Let's look at these, these two brothers because they had different attitudes. They had a different perspective on life, maybe a different, you know, naturally different personalities. Let's look at verses 3 through 5. Same chapter, Genesis chapter 4. In the same course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. 
You look in verse 3, and it says there, in the course of time. You know, when we look at the original language and how that was written, most theologians feel that that is indicating a very long period of time had passed. And knowing that people lived for very long times, you know, there was a, just a growing population on the earth. We have to assume that the population was grow, growing, and God gave instruction to Adam, Adam's family in regards to how they were to enter his presence. Now you're thinking, what do you mean by that? You know, the God of yesterday is the same God as today. So when we read God's word, we, with a lot of the principles that we read that have to do with what we refer to as the church age, our time, were valid then. Take, for example, we have a holy God and we have a sinful people. That does not, they can't come together. The holy God, the holy, pure God, and the sinful, disobedient people. I mean, why are Adam and Eve out of the garden? And so that sin nature was transferred on. And so they couldn't come together. So we have to take or assume that there was still a need for blood sacrifice at that time. The Bible says very clearly, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And without that forgiveness of sin from God, there cannot be that coming together of of the people, a people and a a holy, pure God. So we're going to assume that even though this wasn't fully described very clearly in the Bible, that there was still a need for blood sacrifice. There was still a need for the death of the innocent to die for the guilty, which we call atonement. That atonement of sin that Christ did for us. We understand it as Calvary. But back then, we have to understand it as instruction to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel in regards to what they needed to do to come into his presence. So when we look at Abel's sheep, Abel's sheep provided more than just clothing for the people. It provided for them a means of sacrifice to enable the giver to enter in to God's presence. So we're going to assume that because the Bible isn't that explicit about it. That that we're going to assume that God instructed Cain and Abel and saying to them, you know what, come before me with sacrifice, but realize that the only right sacrifice, realize that the only acceptable sacrifice is a blood sacrifice. We're going to have to assume that because it's not clearly written between the lines. So Cain, the eldest son, he was growing produce. He was growing, growing you know, vegetables and, and things to eat on, on the ground. So for him to have a sacrifice acceptable to God, he's going to have to go to his little brother and to get some, some sheep to sacrifice, to offer that portion to the Lord. And he wasn't going to do that. He'd work hard, and you can understand this, because I've been there too. We've all been there, and when we, are, we have worked so hard on something, I don't care if it's a, a project you're doing at home or, a, 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 or something for college or, 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 or work 
or whatever it might be, you're kind of proud of all the work you've put into it, and you want someone to see it. And here is Cain, even though he knows that God is saying, you know, Cain, the right sacrifice is a blood sacrifice. Cain's had his gathered, gathered his produce together. He said, gosh, this looks so good. I've worked so hard to, to nurture this up, to cultivate this. I'm going to take it before the Lord, and surely he's going to appreciate it, and he's going to accept it. But it wasn't. It wasn't accepted. And it was a blow. And you can imagine how it was. When you read this, it boils down to disobedience. Even though it's a very human story and we can all relate to it, it boils down to something that he knew he should have done and he didn't. See, it didn't matter whether that lamb came from Abel or Costco. The bottom line is the heart, the heart of the giver. What was the heart of the giver? The heart of the giver was a heart that was basically saying, I'll do it my way. The willful disobedience is a choice that says, I'll do it my way. And the heart that God God desires is what? Do it. My way is a heart of obedience. God wants to have a heart of obedience. But when obedience is absent, when obedience is absent in God's eyes, know that it doesn't surprise God. And that our God is a loving God. And our God is a merciful God. You know, God just wants the best for us. Please take that away from this morning. God wants the best for you. And so when we fall short, you know, we're not, we're not talking about lightning bolts or anything. When we fall short, God is there. He wants us to get up and try again. So look at verses 6 and 7. So here's Cain. He is just bent. Oh, my gosh, I was rejected. Look at 6. When the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. See, God is saying three things here to Cain. Number one, repent. Cain, change the way you think. Your attitude is wrong. Number two, he's saying, Cain, choose to obey and be righteous. See, that's a choice. God gives us this incredible gift of free will, and and to obey is a choice. And God is saying to Cain, Cain, you got to change your thinking. You got to choose to obey and be righteous. And what does righteous mean? Righteous basically means that you desire to be right in God's eyes. It's attitude. It's it's a desire of your heart. Number three, God is saying, if you don't repent, you don't repent and change, all your hurt, all your pride, all your jealousy will just take over like a crouching tiger ready to pounce and devour you. And we didn't understand how that is. 
Because sometimes we, we can sense that. We can sense when we have such anger towards someone or, or we're not in, we don't have the right heart in the situation. And we can just sense we're changing. We're changing in, in the way we feel toward that person who we want, once we were just laughing with. We're changing. We're, the, the, the sin is just kind of taking us over. And so that's what God's warning came about. You know, I really believe that if Cain were able to lash out at God at that moment, he would have. But he couldn't. So what happened? All that anger, all that frustration was, was funneled in on who? Abel. So he transferred it all toward Abel. Look at verses 8 through 10. Now Cain said to his brother, Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. I'm going to read a little bit more, and I don't think we have it on the screen. Listen to this. When you are under, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. See, the curse of Cain is a curse of a life of toil, a life of fruitless living. It's a curse that is going to separate him also from God for the rest of his time. Now, this is the big philosophical questions on this. Did God know this would happen? Certainly. When he asked Cain, what, you, what happened to your brother, did he know? Yeah, he knew. He already knew that. If God knew that this was going to happen, could he have stopped it? Yes, he could have. Well, if God knew and God could have stopped it, then why didn't, why didn't he stop it? Why did he let it happen? You know what the answer is? I don't know. But one reason might be that this story be passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation and, and the heart and the message of the story be taught over and over and over again to those who want to know him, to those who, who want to live a life pleasing to him. See, a big part of the story is about disobedience in Cain's heart and the importance of obedience. And so in God's permissive will, he let this happen. And it's a lesson we're reading about today in the 21st century. But you know, a big part of this we can find in the writings of, of, of the author of Hebrews. When we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, I'm just going to read a verse here that touches upon this this whole story. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it talks about what we just read. 
that says by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. See, part of the story of Cain and Abel is faith. Now, let's look at it from the 21st century point of view. The big thing with us is that we have to believe that God is real, right? I hope you believe God is real. I think most of you do. You're sitting here. That God is real. That he is alive and real. You know, Abel didn't have that problem. He was having, you know, conversations with the Lord. But we, in the 21st century, a big part of faith to begin with is we have to believe that God is real. He exists. He is alive. And the things he says to us are in his word. The second part, though, that is, that is, that is just as important is when we think about God being real. Is that God also says, or faith also says, that God is God and I am not. Because if you do acknowledge God as being real and you do acknowledge God for who he is, then you better acknowledge that God is, the, is, is, is God in your life. That he is God and you are not. And when you put that into practice, that means you're not going to be just doing the old Frank Sinatra thing, I'm going to do it my way. You're going to want to do it his way. And that's what this is all about, is living the life his way. And what's the big deal about doing it that way? Why is it, what's the big deal about, about living your life according to this book? Some old book that's been around for centuries. Why would I want to follow this thing? Is because first it's from God, but this book is full of stories and principles which will make you a better you. No matter what you do or no matter what you hope to be, this book, when you live it, it's going to make you a better you. And that's what God wants because this book is really a love book. It isn't, it isn't a story about you do this or else. It is a, 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 a book written in love for you so you can experience a life that is better than a life without it. And, and if you don't grab onto that, then this is just another book collecting dust on your shelf. It's going to be under your chair in your car. It's going to be somewhere where you just don't see it. You know, once in a while we find Bibles here in the church. And it'll be sitting in the office for one week, two weeks, three weeks. I'm saying, I don't know, either they got another Bible or they're not reading their Bible. One or the other. See, this book is written for you because God loves you. It's that simple. But the catch is, you have to obey it. That's the catch. You got to obey it. You got to live it. You got to put it into practice. And obedience is better than sacrifice. So today, because of disobedience, Cain went from that privileged family member down to that wandering outcast. He went from a hero to a zero. Let's pray. Father, help us to really grab on to and embrace 
that obedience is better than sacrifice. That the only way to really please you is the desire to live what you've given us, and that is your word. So now, Father, as we're about to receive the elements, the, the, the bread and the juice, um, just focus our minds and hearts on the love that we see in Christ on the cross. In his name we pray, amen.